You're listening to the Bag of Pucks podcast, part of the National Podcast Network. So this week's going to be a little bit of a shorter episode, um, but uh, we decided we're going to do kind of like a little bit more of like a, kind of like our American TV shows, sports TV shows where, you know, you have one guy trying to mediate between two really angry people trying to debate with one another and trying to argue and uh, really cause a lot of commotion. So um, today I'm going to act as the mediator and we're going to have Olsen and Anton kind of debate about certain uh, news items of the week. Does that sound like a good idea for us today? Yeah. Yep. Well, such enthusiasm from uh, the two, but uh, I'm I'm hoping for a little bit more emotion and passion coming on later in this episode. So why don't we get started right away? Um, so you guys are going to give me a thumbs up or a thumbs down on these uh, news items this week. There's been quite a few things that have happened. Um, so why don't we start off with our first news item of the week? I think this is probably the biggest news item. Uh, the Mark Shifley press conference. Why don't we start off with our uh, Winnipeg native there, or if he thinks he's from Winnipeg, uh, Alston. I don't know how I feel about being from Winnipeg, um, but uh, I mean... I thought it'd be three, two to three games, more on the two side, just because of that weird formula they use, where it's like a, a playoff game is worth more double the uh, regular season game, so it's like it'd be four to six in a regular season, which sounds kind of weird, reasonable. Eight seems like a lot. I don't know. It just seems like I don't know. I guess it's kind of obvious without saying, don't bully Shifley's family. Um, but that being said, it was just kind of like. I don't know, overhyped, I guess, in a way, the press conference. I really don't feel like it was a that important of a press conference. So would you give it like a thumbs down on the press conference? Thumbs down. Yeah, so I don't think there was a press conference for like, you know, Cadres or Reeves, or if there was, I didn't see it. But in terms of like having Shifley, or Shifley having like a press conference for a suspension, it's like, yeah... I get it why you're kind of speaking out to that, but at the same time, it's like, I think you just put like a statement saying like, you know, I accept the responsibility of me demolishing Jake Evans and four games. Like, again, like also said, like, don't, don't send messages to his family or even to him at the end of the day. It's like, it's a game, right? It's a sport and going after someone and their personal family. It's not, it's not, it's not right. Um, so I don't know how I feel about the whole press conference as a whole, but if as opposed to if you just put like a statement saying like you know, I I accept the 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 suspension by the NHL. So, I, I, did you have you guys both like listened to like the press conference or like heard like little snippets of it? Yeah. Well, my my thing here is like you could see kind of like the Winnipeg PR guy probably coached Shifley for like the first 30 seconds of the press conference. And then Shifley just went off by himself. Like, I don't know. Was it just me or did he sound trying to make himself look like the victim here of everything, which he kind of was, but I think he made him made it sound like he was a victim of everything. Like the victim of the player safety department, um, and all like the entire suspension and everything like that. Oh yeah, I got that vibe too. Good. I was the only one. It's kind of like, oh okay, yeah. I, gu- I guess I kind of like you're not 
the victim, but somehow you ended up as the victim, which was kind of confusing. Like, he wa- he wasn't, right? Let's be honest here. Jake Evans is the victim. But I don't know. It's just casually dropped there. I, like, I don't know. Took a play out, out of the Ethan Bear book, but also, like, Ethan Bear did nothing wrong. So it's like, well, you know what I mean? It's kind of like, uh, it's iffy there. I'm not sure how I felt, felt about it. Well, I found interesting, too, was that, like, in his first comments at the very beginning, right, he was saying that he reached out to some of the Habs players to ask him how Jake Evans is doing. But I I think, like, you would expect that if someone, you you know, got injured, you would want to reach out to them personally. But doesn't ever sound like Mark Shifley ever reached out to Jake Evans like individually, kind of reached out to the like some of his teammates instead, and not actually to Jake Evans. So, it, it it's kind of a little bit iffy to me. Maybe I missed it. Maybe it did actually reach out to Jake Evans, but uh, like to me, it sounds like he never actually reached out like individually. Like God, like asked the teammates, "Oh, what's uh, his you know personal phone number so I can message him or something like that." Eh, I'm not I'm not too bothered by that, right? Like at the end of the day, like you may assume that Jake Evans doesn't really want to talk to him right now <laughs> and just reach out to like you know people you're familiar with who might be able to like understand know know your personality better to really under- know that it wasn't intentional if that's the case i don't know we're not gonna go into 10 here but i think mean, reach out to people you're more co- you're familiar with is probably not a bad move in this case let's go with that like having a mediator in a sense it's like probably jake evans would rather hear from like let's just say Corey Perry as opposed to like Mark Shifley currently. Yeah, no, that's fair. I, I I just, I don't know. I feel like, you know, when you're told to apologize to someone, you should apologize to that person and not apologize it to someone else to then pass on that message. So I just thought that was a little bit awkward, but I guess from the sense of our discussion here, I think um, everyone's like a thumbs down on the press conference from Mark Shifley. I think generally, yes. Yeah, it's like a overall thumbs down. It's just kind of unnecessary for me overall. All right, next item then. Um, trading Mitch Marner. Thumbs up or thumbs down? Let's go with uh, Anson here first. Um. Oh, my God. It's so funny. Um, The f- fact that you're thinking of trading Mitch Marner is kind of hilarious because you signed him to such a giant contract. Granted, like you paid out like half his contract and performance bonus already, but at the same time, it's just funny that you know he's supposed to be your guy moving forward. He's like what 23, 24, and you're like, we want to trade him. Like, first off, you're not gonna get the pieces. You're not gonna get. You're not gonna get equal pieces if you trade him. Like he has a bloated ass contract. You're not gonna get equal value, no matter what. Um, and even if you do, then. Who are you gonna sign? Or I guess you can, like, you can, you know, resign Hyman and all those other guys. But at the same time, it's just, are any of them gonna fill in the the spot that if you trade away Mitch Marner, are any of them gonna fill out his ability and his skill on in the uh, lineup? Yeah, it's hard to see like a Marner trade where the Leafs would win the deal. But it's, it, do we think that? Um, like, does it actually make sense for the Leafs to actually make a huge change in their team philosophy just from, you know, multiple, well, I was going to say just from this one disappointing playoff 
round, but I feel like they've had multiple um, playoffs where they've disappointed. Yeah, and I I feel like this is like you know coming off the the series with the Habs, and you know he was invisible kind of again in playoffs. That's why people are like calling for his head, but at the same time, it's it's Mitch Marner. I don't think you should trade him. If you, there's no real way of like winning because if you don't trade him, you're like, well, we'll run it back again and see what happens. And if they blow again, then you go, well, you know, there's always next year. But like, I don't know. I there's no there's really no real way of going about this because if you don't trade him, then I guess you have like you know Matthews, Marner, Nylander, and I guess. Tavares going back again for like you know the third fourth time I don't remember at this point and on the other hand if you do trade them you're granted you 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 know you you have a million a million dollars in um cap space but at the same time how are you going to fail out that chemistry with Matthews right yeah no that that's that's fair but I think you kind of hope as well well, before I give my comments, why don't we go over to Alston? I think Anson seems to be a thumbs down on the Marner trade, but Alston, what's your thoughts? Thumbs up or thumbs down? Thumbs down. Um, big thumbs down. At the end of the day, he had four points in seven games this playoffs, and this is invisible Marner. Last season, he had four points in five playoff games, and... I don't know. He has 25 points in 32 playoff games. It's not necessarily invisible. Dumb mistakes, I'll give you that. You know, over the glass couple times, that, that dumb mistakes, I'll give you that. But he's not necessarily invisible. I mean, like, if you compare to some other players, I, I would say Cal Connor is a step behind of Marner. But I'd say Cal Connor is also an elite winger. I know they're playing different wings, but Kyle Connor is. 21 playoff points in 33 playoff games. We don't have this conversation. We have this conversation because of how much he makes, I guess, in a way, compared to a McDavid or a Dreisaitl. But I also have to consider that I would put Marner probably in a tier below McDavid. <laughs> um, I feel like the dumb mistakes amplified it. Um, you could also see in the playoffs that Marner had many chances to score. A lot of it was really bad luck, I would even say it is. Um, it's this playoffs more than anything. I don't really think it was that he was that bad. I think he was just unlucky more than anything. And yeah, what are you going to get from? Like, you're going to be selling low right now on a flat cap, and you're going to have to somehow match $10 million, $11 million. What? What do you think you're going to get? How many teams are going to want to take on that contract, first of all? Like with the cap space to do it. Because you're not going to do it if you're a rebuilding team. Let's be honest here. You're going to probably be a contending with pick up a guy like Marner. And which team has internal cap slash a flat cap that wants to pick up a Mitch Marner and has the assets to provide to the Leafs who are in their contending spot right now. Not many, and you don't think the NHL GMs know that. It's going to be a very, very poor return. So why would you do that if you're the Leafs? Big thumbs down. It's also Toronto. Doughty. I would say if you're the Kings, you're probably like, sure, but 
it's not just doubting you, right? You're gonna ask for like, four, you know, three or four other top prospects. No, yeah, no, of course. Sorry, I yeah, just threw that out You're just like, that'd be nice, but do we really need that? If you're the Kings, you have a lot of young forward prospects coming out. Not many defensive prospects. I get it, Marner's a lot better, but do you really need that? So if you're the Leafs, you're just like, well, I'm not going to get a lot. What's the point of this? Plus, at the same time, it's like like you said, you need a basically you need like a salary matcher, and it's yeah, not many teams 25 have. Twenty five points in thirty two playoff games is not that bad. You know, not many teams have you know nine, ten, a million dollar players on their teams who can just swap for a Mitch Marner. Yeah, so big thumbs down. Well, why don't I give you guys another underappreciated, uh, like a uh under well. Someone who had a poor season, an underwhelming season as well, who could be a potential trade partner for uh, Mitch Marner. Um, they tried to sign him to an offer sheet before, so why don't you take in uh, Seth Jones from Columbus? What if Jones doesn't want to sign an extension? He goes, trade me there, but I can't guarantee you I'll sign an extension. I'm sorry, you you would want to trade a Marner for Jones? Well, you're hoping you're going to get jones plus right you're not gonna get just do a straight up one for one swap but in my you can maybe be like you know columbus maybe you can give us one of your goaltenders so that we can have a tandem with campbell that fills out some of your needs plus you also can save a little bit of cap if you also just get like say you get like jones um corpusalo and a bunch of prospects right you save some money both in the short term and the long term and as you said, like before, like this is the Leafs window right now. They got to win like basically within like this year, next year, basically. And if, you know, they, you know, they lose um, again next year, you know, Riley and Jones comes off the books. Maybe they decide, do they want to run it back with those guys? Or maybe they'll just stick with like the Muslim Brody, hopefully Sandin's a bit better by then. And kind of go from there. It gives them like a little bit of a reset so that they can retool and hopefully win again before Matthew's contracts comes up. So, and, you know, Columbus also does potentially have that cap space available. I mean, we'll see what they do with Patrick Liney, but I mean, could this be an option or is this too far fetched out there? I feel like if you're going to give up on Liney like that, I don't know how happy your fan base is going to be where basically you just gave up on Dubois, Line A. I don't know how I feel about your fan base with that. And I don't know. Not a fan of that trade. I think it's just a little too far-fetched for me. Can you just imagine the timeline of what Jeffrey's suggesting is uh, Mitch Marner to Patrick Line a on Columbus? Is that what he's suggesting? No, I think he's suggesting you kind of just get rid of Line A, right? Jeffrey, clarification, please. Well, you can keep Line A if you want. You're gonna have you can try to run a line of Marner, what Marner, Domi, and Line A maybe. I don't know, but like, you, like you'll have cap space to play with, and like I think, well, well, it's gonna be interesting because I think like with guys like Jones and Line A, like maybe they didn't want to play for Columbus because they don't know where which direction Columbus is going in. But if you're Line A and you know. Um, if Columbus wants to, you know, try to take you into arbitration, like you can get a one-year deal, rebuild your value, and hopefully you get find some more money in the free agency next season. Like we saw free agency last off season, 
not a lot of money to go around. And given how poor his season was, I wonder if Lainey would rather try to rebuild his value for one season and then go back out into uh, see if anyone would, you know, offer sheet him or, you know, try something fancy to, you know, get him out of Columbus. But it, it's just an idea to put out there. That's all. Yeah, but going back to it, if you're saying like Jones plus for like uh Mar- Marner, right? Yeah, like um we're not like we have prospects obviously, but they're not super front loaded and even so they're not they're not gonna arrive at the NHL level for another couple of years. Um if you're a Cal Dubis, you're basically just in essence getting Jones and say Corpusalo for Mitch Barner because like those prospects won't be here. They probably, when they play, you probably won't have a job at that point if you do that trade. Well, would you say like Jones, Corpusalo, get back there first, and I don't know, maybe I don't, maybe that's too much already for Marner, but like I. There could be a deal in place, maybe. Like, if you're really interested in trading Mitch Marner and apparently everyone thinks that you need more defense for some reason, even though you had trouble scoring. Like, uh, it just seems a little bit far-fetched, I think, in general about trading Marner. But if they were to trade Marner, maybe Columbus might be the best option. Um, The Leafs pick is probably in the 20s because of how they finished in the regular season. So, like, just say 20, like, 22nd pick. uh. Jones and Carpasalo. Um and Yarm already said he's gonna trade one of the picks, more or less. So I mean, if Dubas wants to do that, yeah. Because Marner signed for another like four three, four years. And if Jones doesn't want to resign here, yeah, we'll just again, worst case scenario, we flip Mitch Marner. But we're not doing that right now. But at the same time, it's just give it to me because we're kind of in a rebuilding stage. All right, fair enough. Um, I was I was trying to hope for more, you know, diverse opinions, but it seems that we've had uh the same uh same opinions on the last two uh, topics here. But let's move on to our third topic then. Um, the NHL's draft lottery. How do we feel about you know the how the draft lottery kind of came about this year? Uh, let's go with Alston first. Let's keep alternating. We'll let Anson go first for this one, I think. I know what I'll say. Let Anson go first this one. I'll be honest. I actually slept through it. It was. I took a nap, and I woke up, and I saw that uh, Buffalo Sabres had the first overall pick. So that's how much I knew about the draft. All right, so he has no thumb for this one. Um, I think this one, I have it as a thumbs down. I don't really like the whole idea of like, oh you can only drop two or three spots, whatever. I, I'm a, call it radical. I would love, you know, they would adjust the odds and have, you know, you eligible for every single spot. So like the NBA. Kind of, yeah. Where it's just like, you know, yes, it's possible for Buffalo to end up with a 13th pick. I think that would be a lot more fun. Um, I don't know, I just don't really enjoy the fact where it's just like, oh, the Buffalo Sabres can only get, like, top four. I'm just like, well, who cares? Whatever. Um, I don't know. I just don't enjoy that whole idea. Um, I feel like... How do I put this? I don't want to say that it felt kind of like... 
there were vibes at the end where it's like, ooh, this is like, I don't, I don't, I get it. You kind of want the Kraken to get a high pick. Um, but I feel like it, you just kind of were like, hey, you only really had three options. It would have been nice to get more movement, I think. I think most years, like the year where, you know, Nolan Patrick or Nico Heischer got drafted, it was like, oh, what? He, like, he, he moved from like 12th to one. Oh, and I was just watching the draft lottery because, you know, as a Kings fan, I'm just like, on Kings, give me the first overall pick. I was just like, this is boring. And I feel like the draft lottery is it's televised for fans, right? Like, let's be honest here. You can do it like, I don't know, other leagues and just don't have it. You're just like, here's our published list, whatever. Um, they do it for fans. And I feel like as a fan, it's just kind of stale. Thumbs down. Jeffrey, what's your thumb? Replace Anson here for this one. Um, I gotta give a thumbs down just with how the NHL handled everything. Like, because like they come up with all these new rules about the draft lottery, but for some reason it only half of them applied this year. The other half will apply next year. Um, I think just because the Kraken were um involved this year, so they're like, ah, let's push off some of the other rules so that we don't screw over Seattle as much, just in case. So it was kind of like. It was also weird, too, because the Coyotes were involved in the draft lottery, even though they didn't have a first uh, first round pick. So it was like if somehow Arizona, the odds came in their favor, they would have just had to do a redraft of the entire like they would have to redo the lottery all over again just because Arizona doesn't even have a first round pick. So it, it was just it was just a mess. And I, I think I, I think our, the best representation of how. I think I and Olsen and I think most people feel about the draft lottery is Jim Nill taking off the headphones there. I think that's what everyone kind of feels about it now because it's basically like there's not going to be as much fun movement where someone's going to jump all the way up to the front of the line and the draft. And if you're sitting there with the the worst odds of the draft lottery and your team gets called first, you're going to just be like Jim Nill and just like, turn the TV off. That's about it. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I agree with Jim. No, I had the same Jim Nil moment. I was like, oh, I cool. But I guess it's a lottery. There's not much you can really do from it, right? No, there there really isn't. And you need to have people participating. Like, it, it was kind of, it's kind of funnier, I think, when it was, uh, like, it was live. So you had all the GMs or the representatives in the room there. And, like, one at a time, they, like, leave until it's like down to the final three. So I, I think that would have been like a lot more fun uh, to watch. But now because like you can't really move up that high, it, there seems to be like, you know, there's not going to be as much enjoyment uh, watching the draft lottery anymore. What do you got next? All right. Next I have our, the next news item, thumbs up, thumbs down, full attendance crowds for the NHL playoffs. Thumbs up or thumbs down? Uh, let's go with uh, Anson first because he didn't have an opinion last time. So you said full attendance for the... Yeah, I mean, it depends where it is, I'll be honest with you. It's like, if if it's like in Texas, which there's not, but like, you know, in, in certain areas where I, I'd rather not have a full attendance because of the COVID cases. But at the same time, it's like, yeah, you want the fans to be in there where that, you know, that game in uh in montreal where it was Montreal against uh, toronto game six yeah where they have five thousand people it's like you could feel a difference you could feel it wasn't like just 
uh, a mixer put inputting like fan noise. It was actual people cheering, right? You could hear it. So yeah, it's a whole like it's it's a different like vibe to it all, but at the same time, it's like you gotta caution about safety. Where like I think like Florida had vaccinated section versus unvaccinated section, which is kind of funny. Um, I'd say thumbs up in the sense that like good you have fans back you get like the energy back but thumbs down in terms of we're not out of a pandemic yet and i think some places are rushing it all right fair enough uh alston you're a thumbs up thumbs down this might be a controversial opinion uh but it's a thumbs up for me um i think as long as you follow the rules i have no problem with it um you know, as a sports league, it's not on you to create the rules. It's on you to follow the rules. Um, I'm, I, I'm sure the NHL, you know, has a medical, you know, disease specialist on staff, you know, to help them make these decisions. But again, it's on the league to follow the rules. And if, you know, the government say that it's fine... I don't see an issue. Um, I think, yeah, it's my. That's really my opinion on it. As long as, as long as you follow the rules, it's fine, and you're not you're not making the rules. Um, yeah, you can do the whole vaccinated sections, unvaccinated sections. You know, you know, you can be creative with it, but I'm okay with it. Uh, you could say that they're rushing into it, but rushing into it is not their the team's decision it's the government you may have different opinions on the government that's a whole different argument i'm not gonna get into but i think again it's like saying follow the rules i'm fine with it no i think just because we live in canada and our like our fully vaccinated vaccination rates are quite different compared to the u.s i think that's why i think it gives as Canadians, it kind of gives you anxiety because when most of the country is kind of still in like a little bit of like a lockdown phase, you see full arenas in the U.S. But then you remember that most like a lot of people in the U.S. have been vaccinated, so they are able to have events like this. Um, I think to me, I'm going to kind of give like a half and half. Like I'll give thumbs up to most of the fans uh, arenas with full attendance, but I'm going to have to give thumbs down to actually the Montreal uh, fans and also to the Islanders fans. Um, well, you would think yeah, if you're only going to have limited attendance um, to uh, to the Bell Center, you c- could do something similar to what the Winnipeg Jets did, you know, invite 500 essential workers. Here in Montreal, it's your first ever game. And then you just, you give out like, you basically like, sell up sell like the five thousand tickets or however much there were but i felt like you could there was an opportunity there where you could you know have a couple of those seats reserved for essential workers in your community so i would kind of like to see that in montreal plus um maybe don't go against um uh shifley's uh family there would be also be very nice and um the islanders fans um did you guys see the brandon carlo hit uh, a couple days ago no <laughs> not really no so 
after Brandon Carlo gets hit by Kyle Clutterbuck, um, the Islanders fans cheer as they watch him struggle trying to stand up and then start booing. That's the one thing. Like, I get that, you know, with the pandemic, you have a lot of pent-up emotion and you're like you're excited to get to uh, finally get to like a big sporting event. But that's a little bit poor, I think, on a fan base in a full arena where you got basically... And, and you know, it's not the entire you know, arena that's, you know, you know, not everyone is hit, like excited to see a guy injured, but when you got like that full attendance there in the playoffs, it, it seems like it's the entire arena that's, you know, cheering on a guy who just gets injured. So I've got to s- give a thumbs down to that Islanders, uh, the Islanders fans there in, uh, were they in the Nassau Col- Coliseum still right now, or have they moved yet? It's in Nassau, but I think I'm going to be differing with you on this one. Hear me out first. Um, I think it's not classy. Don't get me wrong. It's not classy, but I think most, a lot of fan bases would do the exact same. <laughs> I, I, I think a lot of fan bases would do the same, and I, I, I'm not too bothered with it. It's not nice, like I said, right? But I think most would do the same. And, you know, that's a different story to go through. But that's my thoughts on that one. Yeah, no fair. I, I think, yeah, I think in your, in your in the moment and you see a big hit like that, I think you just start cheering. And it's New York and Boston, right? How often do you ever get to see that in hockey? Like, you'll see it in every other sport. But for some reason in hockey, it's almost never happened. So when it does, it's like you get, like, two of the biggest, like, uh, like the biggest cities, biggest sports rivals up against each other like that. I think there's a lot of emotion there. So um, I, I guess we kind of have a little bit more diverse uh, of a opinion here on this topic. Um, let's move on to our final topic. I, I feel like we probably started on this one, but uh, and we kind of touched on it a little bit. But the Mark Shifley uh, suspension there. I know we talked about his press conference and I think also alluded a little bit to it, but four games for the suspension. Are we thumbs up or thumbs down? Let me go first since we already know how I feel about it. Um, Big thumbs down. I don't like it. Um, I think four games was too much. I get it. Dirty hit. Um, So the fact that they're suspending the playoffs is already a, a big deal. You know, they don't really suspend the playoffs unless your name is Kadri. Um, but for someone who doesn't have a disciplined background, he's not a repeat offender. And, you know, at the end of the day, dirty hit, don't get me wrong, but not a repeat offender. Um, I thought two games was good. Three games was pushing it. Four was just too much. Um, I think, especially when you look at it, at it their multiplier, eight games. Would you, is this an eight-game suspension in a regular season? I, I don't know. I think it's probably closer to five or six, right? So a part of me even part of me even wonders is was this a situation where later on the NHL wonders should they have offered him an in-person hearing where they're like maybe maybe you want to do it in-person hearing but oh we messed up. So we gotta have to, you know, we're gonna have to use a before that, 
right? Like, I, I just don't understand their reasoning. Um, I would like a video. Those used to be nice when Brendan Shanahan did the videos. Um, I didn't get one, obviously, but I, I don't know. I just feel like it just seemed really excessive. Okay. Um, Anson, how about you? Thumbs up or thumbs down? Uh, I I kind of agree and disagree with like what Austin just said. It's like, yes, it's a little excessive because he has no like prior record. Like, you know, Kadri has a suspension in basically every series he's ever played in his life. But Shaifley doesn't. But the the thing, like, I think three would have been a good amount because, like, like you said, it's like what playoff games are a double of regular season games, so like six games. And the way that I like I felt I saw it was just like you had like a minute left. Odds are Jake Evans was gonna score that. And you kinda just plowed him. Like you you didn't I don't know if you really went for the puck as opposed to he just really went for Jake Evans there. So that it's like, you know, in NHL, when we play NHL, it's just like you just charge across the ice to hit a guy. You can't do that in real life. That's you know, Jake Evans is out indefinitely. And he never had a prior record, yeah, but at the same time, you took a guy out who, in a game where, it, you know, I think it was 2-1 at that point, it came 3-1 after the empty netter, so uh, I get it, it's a close game, but at the same time, I don't think you had to just demolish him, so I think thumbs down in terms of, like, the amount of games, but I think thumbs up for, like, giving, like putting, like, a lay in the law, it's like, don't for like future like the rest of the playoffs like if anyone does this like you know you're gonna get suspended for x amount of games because they had Kadri for eight they had um reese for two apparently that's insane um and shifley for four so there has been suspensions the wheel has been spinning quite a bit um but yeah i think i i I think four is a little too much, but I think three would have been a little better in my eyes. I think at the same, my question is though, how did you not already lay the law at Kadri with the eight games? It just seems like it's hard when you look at Reeves get two and then go like, is, is this what's four? And then you just also see the amount of fines they've given out where it's just like, we, I think you, my opinion has always been clear on fines where it's like, I don't think it really matters. I think fines are a terrible, like the amount that is being fined is, is, is terrible. I don't think it makes any use. Um, so it's not clear. The line isn't set. It, it, like, it, it just feels like it's, it's a, it's a wheel. Yeah. With the Kadri thing, I, doesn't help that he's like been suspended. Like I said, every series he's ever played, it's just like with the Leafs, the the three series he's played, he's got suspended every time. Did he get suspended last year? I don't remember. It just happened so often. The Reeves one is kind of a spin of the wheel. I don't know what happened there. Um, if if it was like Reeves got four and then Shifley got three, I'd be like, you know what? Or they they both got three. Okay, fine. I can kind of like see that. So yes, it's like. In terms of like laying the law, it's kind of like not really there right now. But at the same time, it's like DPOS has like a wheel spinning, and it's it's been a bit more fair than I guess previous years, which is kind of what I'm seeing here. All right, Jeffrey, what do you got? How do you feel about this? I honestly thought one game would have been fine. 
for me. It's the freaking playoffs. Sometimes you just have to play the body, right? Like, if this was, like, you know, people just going through the, for a pocket, loose pocket right in the center, in the center ice, you know, instead of playing the puck, sometimes you have to play the body if, you know, that person's going to get the puck. It's a body check. I think there was quite a bit of malice and quite a bit of intent to injure. So I could see tacking on another game or two to make it two or three, but there doesn't seem to be much of a precedence for a four game suspension in the playoffs for charging. I think it's more related to the intent to injure there. Um, also doesn't help for the fact that you can hear it in the broadcast, uh, the Montreal players saying that he had time when he did not have time. Um, so I, I think it was, it, it was a series of unfortunate events that led to Mark Shifley having the opportunity to lay down such a unnecessary hit. And you can see, I think, in his eyes as well, right? Like, like there was a scrum, I would say, three, four minutes before that hit where he was the only one pulled out uh, and got called for roughing. So I think he was trying to, you know, kind of had that little red mist descend on him and that kind of possibly led to him wanting to throw a body check over, you know, trying to save, uh, save the puck. So... Uh, to me, yeah, I agree. I, I think it's thumbs down that he did get too much, but at, at least he got a suspension, which in most cases we can't say that uh, there's been a dirty play and there's been no repercussions. So I, I think we can hopefully appreciate at least Department of Playing Se- Player Safety did something at least, but they've just been very, um, they've been very varied in their uh, punishments, basically. <sighs> Uh, yeah, like I think at, that's probably part of the issue. I don't, I don't think it's fair to say there was no intent. You could see him bracing for it. He came across the ice. Um, so for me, I, I think the intent is much clearer. Yeah, no, I, 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 there definitely was some intent and some malice there. Um, I don't know if there was necessarily an intent to injure, but I think there was an intent to lay down a massive hit. And if you're Shifley in game one, your team's been down, I, I think you think that's like a momentum driver, but then at the same time, it was a pretty unnecessary and pretty bad hit too, so... Um, it seems to me that in the end, the Habs have taken out um, their opponent's top centerman in each of the series so far, and that has led them to uh, potentially be the representative from the Scotiabank North Division in the NHL playoffs. So as a Habs fan, I don't know if I am happy that Jake Evans got hurt because Shifley's out or if how the Habs tactics are for this playoffs, but um, it seems to be working. And who knows, maybe the Habs will be the first Canadian team uh, to bring back the Stanley Cup since 93. Okay, relax. You don't need to pump the brakes that hard. I don't think you should be happy that you sacrifice Jake Evans to take out Mark Shifley. That's basically what I got from that. Well, like, it's at the same time, too. Like, when if Shifley ever gets a return back to the series, which you never know, maybe the, the Habs might sweep the Jets at this point. Um, like, who's going to, you know, fight 
Shifley if there is going to be a fight, right? Like people are like, oh, Shea Weber. Is that a fair trade? You're going to trade Shea Weber for Mark Shifley? No, you're probably sending a guy out there, even he's not a big fighter, but you want some of your lesser guys to go fight uh, Mark Shifley so that you got a better trade off. But uh, uh, that that I, I think we're going a little bit overboard. I hope Jake Evan fully heals. It's not shouldn't have been him that needs to be, you know, quote unquote sacrifice so that Shifley can get suspended. But um, it does put the Habs in a quite a bit better situation now going into game three and game four is tonight and tomorrow night and uh, closing out the series. So um, as a Habs fan, you know, go Habs go. Um, but that's pretty much our episode, a little bit of a shorter episode this week. Um, so why don't we end off with our final thoughts today? Um, why don't we start off first with Alston today? Uh, first off, big shout out to Nikolai Euler. Respect. You know, I, I saw the uh, I saw the protection of Jake Evans while everyone was scrumming and uh, respect. And I forgot the linesman's name. Respect to that guy as well. Um, I think at the end of the day, they were like, "Hey, you know what? This isn't just a big hit. So maybe we just don't play in a scrum." And uh, I I gotta assume that some of the Habs players reached out to you guys after to you know say that. Good, good stuff there, um, but you can't say that publicly. Um, so big respect there. Um, also, uh, wash your damn hands, and I love y'all, Jeffrey. Um, everyone, keep you know we're all we're, we're getting closer and closer to the hopefully the end of the pandemic. Um, hopefully I didn't jinx that there, but uh. You know, just continue following, you know, your public health, the health safety measures wherever you are. Um, if you're eligible and you feel comfortable getting the vaccine, uh, go for it. Um, and yeah, you know, wear a mask uh, if you feel comfortable. Wear a mask to make others feel comfortable. Uh, do what makes you feel comfortable as well. So, and yeah, I hope you guys have a great week as well. And we'll end it off for the first time ever with Anson. Not the first time ever, if you go back like seven episodes. Second, uh, having fans in the stands, I reversed my stance on that because you can actually hear guys say, shoot. And just that alone is worth the people saying, uh, having people in the stands. And I am fully down just to hear a billion times, a billion people saying, shoot the puck every game. Um, but that about does it. Like Jeffrey said, it's going to be a quickie today. And uh, I don't know if the Habs are going to sweep the Jets necessarily because they might, their entire team might come with a red miss in their eyes for game three. So we'll see what happens. Um, you know, right now I'm just watching the Colorado and the Vegas series. That's fire. And, uh, you know, when you get, if you had the chance, watch that. Otherwise, uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Bag Fucks Podcast, part of the National Podcast Network. You want to complain about us? You can tweet us at BOP underscore POD on Twitter. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon.